0: Maryville University and Maryville Hockey present Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Caesars Entertainment. Nationwide or worldwide, there will always be a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G built right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Championship taste for lunch, dinner, or a pregame feast. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey. Big City Lifestyle, Small School Feel. First class hockey experience behind the mask and behind the for all of your hockey needs on ice or in line by oxy Our chemical free line of cleaning product gets the funk out of your equipment or office by M drive presenting partner of what drives you M drive for energy, stamina, recovery by the university of Arizona and by summer skates. Show off your team pride with shower shoes and koozies for the whole squad at IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Maryville University and Maryville University Hockey Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and
1: Stephen Marsh. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, club hockey fans as it may be. This is... Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by our friends at Maryville University, the Maryville University Saints. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host, Stephen Marsh, normally with me from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, is on assignment tonight. He's got uh, the coverage of the AHL Pacific Division Playoff Championship uh, round, which will feature the Henderson Silver Knights hosting the Bakersfield Condors. It starts tonight. Uh, There will be a best-of-three series, so you're going to have to win two games, and the second game would either be Thursday or Friday, depending on what happens with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights game tonight. So that's where Steven is. If you're looking for that familiar voice, he will be on assignment tonight. Okay, lots of good stuff to talk about. Western Collegiate Hockey uh, League is – continuing to uh, bolster itself, if you will. There's, they, as we mentioned all year long, they would have added three teams this year. Instead, they'll add them this coming season with Utah, uh, Grand Canyon, and uh, UNLV joining the group, which already includes Colorado, Colorado State, Missouri State, Central Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Arizona State, and Arizona. So when we talk club hockey, what I like to do is – bring on somebody that's got uh, something going on, and that person that's got something going on is uh, Chad Berman, the head coach at the uh, University of Arizona, has uh, a camp coming up and lots of good things to talk about with his recruiting class, as does everybody, but uh, tonight we're going to bring on Coach Berman here in just a few minutes and and talk a little uh, Arizona Wildcat hockey. Um, A couple things just to to jump into with the Western Collegiate Hockey League, and I kind of want to to so wrap this up so people understand uh, what it's all about, um, the Western Collegiate Hockey League, ACHA D1 Hockey, um, and, of course, uh, that that group has been very, very good and gotten better. I call it an arms race, folks, because what you're seeing is these uh, different coaches have recruited very heavily, and they've recruited to win, right? They, they want to win not only the conference, but they want to win the national championship, uh, last year, because of the pandemic, we only had a few teams that could could get in. Actually, the only team that uh, qualified uh, was Missouri State because nobody else really played. Uh, so if you can't play, you can't uh, qualify for the national tournament. But Missouri State did get in. Congratulations to them because uh, it was uh, not an easy road just to get games in last year. We look, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all of those things. We look to uh, have a very good uh, upcoming season we hope to get started on time we hope to have fans and all that good stuff so uh there's a number of things that uh we can look forward to and uh there's nobody better to talk hockey in the southwest than the head coach of the university of arizona chad berman so uh i think we got him let's uh let's bring on the coach and and let's talk a little bit about uh what's going on uh, down in the old pueblo so coach if you're there hit one of those uh Gray call-in buttons, and uh, we'll connect you and and bring you on, and and let's start talking some Wildcat hockey because I'm already getting excited for this year. So as we wait to get uh, Coach Connect, I think we have him. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? It's a more important question.
2: Good, I'm doing real good. Like you said, excited to turn the page here and start uh, talking towards what we can do instead of what we couldn't.
1: Absolutely. And when I, I look, uh, you guys have a revamped website. I was looking at that and I came across again, your your uh, college prep development hockey camp. And I thought, you know what, I need to get you on because it's getting close to June 25th. And I hope you have some spots left so we can pump up some more guys and get them there. But uh, tell us about your hockey camp again. This is what year now?
2: Oh, boy. I mean, I'm losing track. Obviously, we couldn't do it last year, which is unfortunate, so it adds a little extra spice and excitement for this year. Uh, usually, I, I, a lot of the, the camp goers tend to return most years, so you get a kind of year-to-year check-in. So I'm excited now the, with a two-year window to see where these guys are at, but um, it's going good. Uh, sign-ups are very strong. We still have open spots available, uh, but it'll take place, uh, place June 25 through June 27. Um, at the AZ Ice Peoria there, Um, and so we're really excited to get after it. Um, Like I said, a lot of returning guys, so some of these guys had just started juniors, and I'm excited to, um, you know, a lot of them I'll follow online, but I'm excited to see uh, kind of the progress they made and the experience they had in juniors, and then the conversations that we have with these guys um, become different, right? And that's what I love about our camp is we try to customize it to each player's needs and where they're at. Um, And so I'm excited to hear about the experience of some of these guys and and how junior hockey went this year and then talking about, okay, what do we want to accomplish next? But uh, it's a fun camp, you know, over five hours of ice. Um, What I try to do is I've been to 100 camps myself growing up, and the one thing I didn't want to do is put together a camp that everybody has um, you want power skating? Go to Laura Stam. You know the, You want stick handling? Go to Turcotte. Um, Everybody understands those things, and those are all great camps. But I don't. I don't want to do what they do. I'm not going to be Laura Stam. I'm not going to be Turcot. So, um, you know, I wanted to put a camp that was unique, that provided something different. And I, I really feel every year we grow and make the camp better. And I'm proud of what we do. And some of the things we do different um, is what I've noticed since coaching is the emails I get from a lot of kids, I don't think <laughs> 90, 95% of the kids don't really understand how to go about reaching out to college coaches. There's a right and a wrong way. There's an effective way. Um, so we'll, we'll do a, a good 45-minute seminar on step-by-step, on step, and they'll get a, a demo on this is how you reach out. These are the steps you take. These are the things you avoid. Um, and we really try to help them through that process and answer questions. And it's amazing how, how beneficial it's been. And what's funny is some of these kids they ended up going to a couple years of juniors and then they reach out to me with interest in our program, and I could tell in the email they sent. So that makes me proud that they learned something there, <laughs> that they, they understood and they've learned it, and that, that I hopefully am helping these kids. If it's not here, it's somewhere else so they can accomplish their goals. And um, uh, certainly I'm the coach of the University of Arizona, but I'm in it for each individual, and I want to help each guy uh, accomplish his goals. And, and like I said, bring something different. So we'll do the seminar on how to contact college coaches. Um, I'll give them a take-home stick-handling exercise for the summer. All you need is a tennis ball and a golf ball and a stick. Um, But I want to give them something to do. Um, A lot of what these guys will hear me say in camp is I I can't make them great hockey players in one weekend. But I can give them the tools to go home uh, and and to become a great hockey player if they're willing to put in the work. And so a lot of what we do is trying to teach them how to go about uh, effective habits, how to practice efficiently, uh, how to do the right things and, and hopefully we're, we're giving them some new things and certainly the stick handling drill is something that a lot of people just don't provide and it's very very important you can you can help your stick handling 10 15 20 percent in the summer that goes a long ways um, and you don't get to care in january february about your ice time if you don't care now it matters now you got to put in the work now so um, we try to really push that Um, And then, you know, we'll do a skill session for an hour and just do small group. And, again, I'm giving them tools of, hey, if you're on the ice and you've got nobody, there's a hundred different things we can do to get better. And there's fun ways to do it. It doesn't have to be a routine. Um, So we try to give them a variety of that. Uh, And then the other uh, component is we really stress wall battles, and we'll do a good 45 minutes to an hour ice. Um, On wall battles, we'll, we'll find some film. I like to get current film on the playoffs because so much of what's happening in these playoffs you'll see. Are, are small possessions that are coming off effective wall battles, and there's a right and a wrong way. It's not as simple as go get the puck. Um, what angles right. are you taking, you know, cutting the gloves off, those kind of details. We'll, we'll go over it on film, then we'll get on the ice, we'll replicate, replicate it uh, and try to go through. But these are the things I think uh, that we could provide as a camp that are different from the other camps that you can go to. And then what I think is really important is, is I'm big on communication. Every single kid that goes to our camp, at the end of the camp, we're going to have a sit down one on one with every single kid. We want to talk about the things they're doing great, the things they can get better at. Answer. Um, it's really important that I answer any questions they have and things they can do to, uh, whether it be strengthen their core, or how can I change my game, or off ice things, or hey, I'm talking to this coach. You know, how would you suggest this? That's a good opportunity for me to provide some feedback from them from a college po- coach's perspective. Um, and encourage them to, to uh, reach for their goals and that it's just about putting in the work. Um, you know, I think this year in particular, this is an easy message. I think there's been a lot of kids who have – got two choices. There's been a lot of kids this year who have used the virus as, well, I can't go to a gym. Um, the ice isn't open. And so it's very easy right now to say, well, there's nothing I can do. I guess I'll play video games, and I can't disagree more. I guarantee you a Connor McDavid wouldn't have sat home and played video games. um there there are things you can do if you have cement and tennis shoes if you have a tennis ball a golf ball and really you know that's what we stress it's it's really uh each kid's going to make the most out of their careers they choose or don't choose um it is a choice but we want to give them the tools to match that uh, determination and when the two things come together it's undefeated so hopefully um, we can continue to help kids grow and learn um and and i want to be a part of growing hockey out west i don't want that just to be uh something that that sounds good in an an article clipping i really believe and want to be a part of that it's a community out here um you know greg powers is doing his thing and gulce's doing his thing um i want to be a part of that how can i help how can i help grow the game and so um i always leave that camp feeling you know really invigorated and, and good about where hockey's at out here in the southwest
1: Totally agree with you on all points. Um, you hit the first one pretty well. I was going to bring up three points to get you to talk on. and it was 45 minutes ago.
2: I don't even remember what it was. I
1: <laughs> talked so long. <laughs> uh, no, but I was talking about Friday uh, when everybody comes in. Uh, they have their uh, sign in around 3 o'clock, 3 to 4.15. Uh, and then they get that immediate 5.15 to 7.30 uh, on ice skill development session and a little bit of a scrimmage. So you know Friday night. um kind of what you're dealing with don't you
2: well yeah and the, the skill session is just a great way to kind of get things moving and then um obviously if i'm going to give evaluation i want to see more than than how how well you skate in a circle or something like that i want to see game situation and so we try to find a good balance of here's some hands-on teaching um and then we really emphasize let's apply that into this scrimmage um, but it really gives me a great landscape to watch, to, uh, to get to know these kids on a different level. And then, you know, the, I'm not just trying to have one-on-one meetings to have a good conversation. I want to help. Um, so i got to make sure I understand each kid's game and, um, it, that's the opportunity there is, is to get that feedback and, and to understand from them the things they do and don't like too about camp. I like to get that, that, uh, feedback as well.
1: You know, and I, I like the wall battle, uh, fundamentals that you work on and that, as much as you stress that, because when you see a lot of uh, teams that don't have success at your level, at the ACHA level, the first thing you look at is, are they winning wall battles, right? And and I can tell you, after watching uh, the Nationals this year, which, of course, you guys weren't able to attend, um, after watching that, I realized real quickly which teams were going (laughs) to advance and which weren't. Um, I also saw which teams would do it for part of the time, and didn't do it the full time. And I think if you talk to uh, your former player and, and assistant coach, John Hogan, uh, when I talked to him about his first game and when they were eliminated, he said, Hey, I have my notepad out the third period. And I said, Your notepad out? He goes, Yeah, I was writing down numbers of people that still wanted to play for me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I'm sure he learned a lot through that experience, you know, the, the wall battle thing, it's, um, we're, As coaches, we're all copycats. There's things I've stolen and learned from Greg Powers or Wade Regeer or Rick Zombo, whoever it is. Um, I'm always trying to learn from these coaches. There's a lot of great coaches in the ACHA, and I'm always trying to learn. But this uh, wall battle thing really came from when I was in Florida. I got to go to a seminar in Naples um, on wall battles. and It was from the former coach at uh, Providence University. I forget his name now. But I left the meeting with my jaw on the floor. I was just so impressed with the presentation and what he was teaching and why it mattered. And, you know, one of the things he touched on was that the NCAA hockey and, um, uh, and the NHL did a heat study, and they did a heat study based on where the puck was touched in possession. And what you found okay. was a big ring all the way around about five to seven feet off the boards, all the way around the outside of the ice or in front of the crease. So what that tells you is that's where the games actually played, especially in playoff time like you alluded um, so it really emphasizes you'd better be great on the wall. This is You're not going to get odd man rushes in, in, uh, in the national tournament. The game's tight. It's, it's about wall battles. So how do you how do you go about that? How are we winning battles? What's the technique? What's the objective? What are we trying to accomplish before we get into that that corner battle? Those are the things we really want to teach, and, and it was all because of that, that meeting. And, you know, you, we took the term from them, cut the gloves off and stuff like that. Those are little details that add up. And when you then follow that up, film to support it, um, the last time I did it was the, when the Blues won the cup, I showed I think it was three one-goal games, and each game-winning goal came off of a wall battle to put themselves in a position to score, so it's, it's one of those things that if you're not backing up the film, you're missing the whole uh, the point of, it's, it looks good to see the puck on your stick and the red light come on, but how did we get there? And, and where's the game spent the most and the frankly it's spending the, along the walls it's spent in the trenches it's spent in the crease um so you better be good in those areas so skill development's great um you need to be able to buy time and space to make plays uh and, and work on your edge work and your skating but uh you know at the end of the day come march everybody better be ready ready to win some wall battles um you know i wait wait Garrett at minot state's another good example that team has great success come national tournament because they're excellent in the trenches they're excellent in the in the dirty areas and You know, we're all trying to figure out how to beat the Adrians and the Lindenwoods and the Minots. Um, You know, it's easy to take a playbook, a little page out of their playbook, but you better thrive in those areas. And so just another unique component we really try to emphasize to our guys.
1: Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong on this one. When I watch a lot of wall battles, and I have as a coach and as a referee and as a media person now, but uh, when I look at wall battles, it's not necessarily – some of the best wall battle guys are guys of small stature. That, that know the right angles you're talking about, can pinch off guys, can get low and get to loose pucks. So you don't have to be that big bruiser, do you, to play a wall battle?
2: Yeah, not at all. I mean, it's about positioning. It's about um, you know putting your body in a position so that you're inside on them. Um, it's about timing. Uh, it's, it's about engaging in timing. We've got a couple of defensemen Never really excited about Ryan Fisher, who came from the BCHL, uh, and John Chidley, who's a transfer from Buffalo State Division III. Um, these are both 5'10 guys, but what makes them so exciting is there there's a grit to their game yes they're great skaters yes they're puck movers yes they see the game well and take care of details but both of them connor remind me of like a tory crew type where you don't have to be the biggest guy in the corner to win a battle it's about timing it's about understanding what your strengths are opposed to what, what you're up against um and that's why you see a guy like tory crew who can win those small area battles and come out with pucks um, and the guys who can do that can make a nice living just ask tory
1: yeah absolutely okay so so let me ask you this: We went through uh, what 16 months of pandemic, and at the beginning of it, it was a lot of gloom and doom, and then it kind of went this roller coaster ride over maybe we could play, maybe we couldn't, and it kind of rolled through the whole thing. And now I think we can comfortably say we're on the other side of it. So when you look back at that period of time, as a hockey coach, as an ACHA hockey coach, um, as a guidance to to your players. Um, how much did you learn and what did you take away, uh, from this past 16 months or so?
2: Yeah. I mean, an awful lot. I mean, we should be, we should be thankful and grateful for, um, for the moments we have. I think, I think it's important to, it's important reminder that the things you have in your life can be taken from you at any moment, um, in a lot of different ways. So to to live in the moment and be grateful for what you have, um, you know, I don't think anybody's going to take for granted playing hockey next year. That's for sure. I mean, our first game will be in Utah, um, there's a little sneak peek for you in Utah. Ah, that's what um, I was getting and, at. <laughs> and I just can't imagine. I mean, the pants the, the, these guys' pants are going to be on fire. They're texting me now. Can't wait for Utah. And um, you know, everybody's just itching to play. I don't even know if it's, it's worth coaching the first period. Or if I just should let them go out and <laughs> have some fun. You know, like uh, I think everybody's just itching to get back at it. But um, you know, I hope I hope our guys learn that. You know, um, you know, come January, February, when it starts to feel like a grind. Um, you know, some guys want to uh, you know, it gets a little tough to get to the rink and it's not as exciting. It starts to take a wear and tear in your body. I think it'll be a good reminder to say, look, we weren't even allowed to play this time last year. And I think it'll give everybody a bit of perspective. Um, but it's certainly <laughs> I've learned things about society, about people, about my players, uh, about myself. Um, and so let's see how everybody comes out of it. But certainly can't wait to start playing some hockey.
1: You know, I say the month of May is usually the bittersweet month for, for us in the media, and I'm sure for you as well. But you see these guys that have been in your program, you watch them graduate, you watch them move on to the, to the real life, if you will, um, but yet that's a sweet part of it. But the bitter part of it is, is a guy like I saw Bailey Marshall who looked really happy with his graduation and all that he got to do. Uh, but the bitter part of that is, is you know that kid deserved another shot. Along with your other seniors, they deserved another shot to win a national championship, and for them to collect themselves and move on, I think that tells a lot about just their personalities.
2: Yeah, um, you know Bailey, especially in particular. I mean, he's just the kid will go down as a legend in our program. Um, it was very tough to uh, for him, for me in particular, to pass the news to him. Even though I was talking to the whole team, I felt like I was talking to him because I knew I was closing um the book on a you know not me but the situation was closing the book on uh, a really a really impressive career back to the north american hockey league in division three at aurora and uco and and certainly with us um he was a leader he was a a, a great person i'm not, not like he's passed away i don't want i don't mean to talk about him like that uh he still is and he's still around in tucson and um, I think the more your alumni hang around and want to be a part of this and are sending you texts and are engaged, that's a good sign for the healthier your culture and your program. That means they're engaged. Um, you know, we've got some guys like Manny now still in town up there. Um, there were some guys, oddly, from the year before who still had some classes to finish up that had just graduated in, in Larson and Decker and Plumhoff and Um, jokingly, I sent to Larson, I said, congrats on graduating. I said, this might be our biggest accomplishment of our hockey program, right? (laughs) So um, what's cool is these relationships continue. uh, This bond continues when you you wear the A, when you step out in the TCC. It's just a special fraternity. I don't care if you played now or 25 years ago. um, That's what brings us together. And that's what makes us special. And it's hard to explain the experience you get playing at this university weaving in out of palm trees to practice to play against four or five thousand fans and you're getting one of the best degrees in the country um i'm as jealous as anybody these kids so um it certainly was hard i think um i'm looking forward to the challenge of having a younger team next year and the opportunity Uh, i think we got a lot of guys coming in hungry i got a lot of returning players that are really key core guys and um, uh, that we pretty much established, yeah, they're coming back and, and they're they're all going to be important pieces for us. So I really like the blend of the roster, the, the excitement of the youth coming into the roster and the talent that they're going to bring to further feed our identity and our culture. And, um, just can't wait to see how it stacks up. I'm sure everybody's just itching to play each other.
1: You know, uh, a little over a year ago, uh, we were hyping up and getting really excited about the new the three new teams entering the WCHL and I've had a chance to talk to a lot of coaches now over the last year or so, and the commissioner, Chris Perry, and uh, different people, and, and they all think um, that the WCHL might be coming, if not the best, one of the top three conferences in all of ACHA D1 hockey. And I know you've been building a program to uh, to win a national championship, but, but how much do you think playing uh, the teams in the WCHL next year or this coming season, are, are going to help you prepare for a national tournament.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it matters, um, and I think you're spot on. I, I've always, I feel like I've always been balanced and fair in that assessment. I came from uh, the CSCHL with the Lindenwood, Ohio, RMU, that, um, Iowa State, Illinois, and to me, I've always been fair. That's been the best conference in the ACHA for quite some time now, um, and we've been trying to push to be – one of the teams to make um this conference better so that we could do our part to help push us beyond it um i really believe that that t- transfer of power is in the process now um and, and you know it's going to be up to us as a conference to prove it but i think you're spot on i i truly believe this is the toughest conference in the acha now um and i think there's some things going on that people aren't aware of i just happen to be a uh, a hockey junkie, you know, and so I'm pretty aware of what everybody's doing. But when you think about adding, um, you know, ASU is going to continue to get better. That's a good team. Um, they're going to continue to get better. They're going to add more talent around the already talented group. Um, and so we know they're going to be a challenge. I look at UNLV joining the, uh, the conference here. We haven't really gotten to do that yet because we been wait for this stuff to, to clear up. But that's a high-quality team. They're as talented, fast, and physical as any team we play. We have a blast playing that team. It's always really competitive. Um, And I'll be honest with you. Um, There is a team right now that is flying under the radar and it's local Grand Canyon's had a very impressive recruiting (laughs) class. And I'm I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic for Danny Roy and GCU because that's what we want. We want the you know, the rising tide to raise all ships. We want Grand Canyon to continue to improve. Um, We want these high quality teams, just like you said. Because we want to, we want to battle each other. We want to get better, so that come March we're going into that tournament saying we've seen the best teams, we played the best teams, um, and now let's go see how how everything uh, shakes out. But um, when you, you look at that, obviously UCO is always going to be a powerhouse. Uh, you know, Mike does a great job there. Oklahoma is always going to be a top, strong team. It's going to be a tournament contending team. Um, I think the not only the the depth of talent and the, uh, the, the high-end skill and grit of these teams. But we get to go to some pretty cool places when you play here. We're going to Colorado. We're going to Salt Lake City. Um, you know, we're going to Phoenix. We're going. We're going to all these places to play hockey. Obviously, Vegas, where I have a headache for 48 hours and nobody <laughs> leaves my sight. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> so, I think I think there's a unique component that makes our conference special, and I and I really believe that every program's doing their best to elevate. And I'm excited to see. Um, you know, I. I Obviously, we're, we're going for our third straight conference championship. This may be the hardest one ever for us to win. Um, and we got some new guys coming in, and we're we're just ecstatic for that challenge. I mean, we know we got a bit of a bullseye on us, and we love that. We embrace that. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about the, the new challenge this year, especially internally in the conference.
1: Well, no secret, I was out and about for uh, the better part of a month um, looking at different levels of hockey. And I know you and I talked uh, off-air about – about some of the places I've been and what I saw and what I uh, was impressed with. And when I came back, I, I told the guys here that, that, that work with me, I said, I think we need to include the entire WCHL. And I got some strange looks I'm going like, you realize Oklahoma's in that and uh, Central Oklahoma and <laughs> Missouri State. And I'm going like, yeah, but I, I just think that this conference has gotten so good um, that I think it deserves a lot more coverage than they're, than you guys are getting. And uh, nothing against what Chris does, and Chris and I talk a lot, but uh, he can't be everywhere either. So uh, our goal this year is that we can uh, keep the spotlight from start to finish on the WCHL and just uh, keep things rolling. And you know as well as I do, I've said it all year for the last 16 months since the pandemic, I said the guys that are going to thrive and survive are the ones that keep their programs relevant. And and I talk about your program a lot to a lot of coaches because they go – you know they didn't have any ice they couldn't practice they couldn't do this i said you know what coach berman found ways to keep it relevant whether it was on the on the soccer field or whether it was generating things on the website or uh, promotional things or different things and that's what it's all about right
2: yeah well absolutely i think i'm a, I'm a big believer you're either rotting uh, or you're growing and so every day you decide what you which direction you want to go um you know, we want to stay. We want to stay uh, relevant in everyone's eyes as we, you know, are promoting the different things we're doing. We've got some exciting things coming up. We really want to um, get out and talk about. And um, you know, we're not trying to alienate anybody just because we're not able to play. Um, this is a community that absolutely loves this program as much as we love them coming to watch us, and um, we're very fortunate. And, and the other thing is, you know, like like I said to you earlier, everybody's got these excuses about the pandemic. I can't sit here and stress to my players, which we will do from day one, that we focus on the things that we can control. I can't sit there and say that and say, well, who cares what you do? Um, You know, would I do things different through the pandemic, maybe? Yeah, I might have done a couple things different, but it was really, it was an interesting balancing act. We did some, we did a stretch of team activities and then I thought there was a stretch where it probably wasn't necessary. So we tried to have a good balance. Um, It it got to be tough when there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. And so we tried to kind of, I think when you have great leadership like we do, um, I'm fortunate to have very honest conversations with, with my captain and Cusinelli. and um, and, it's, and I'm very. I think really that's the root of it. I'm very fortunate to have those conversations because we we can have discussions. What's best for the team now, then moving forward, what's the plan? And we always seem to be able to come out on the same page and feel confident that we're doing the right thing. And um, certainly that comes from from the quality of leadership we have.
1: You know, a c- couple more things that that I got to bring up. Um, I had a chance to visit with Craig Barnett, bit about a 10, 12-minute interview with him. And uh, honestly, when I met him, that was the first time, and the first time for him meeting me, obviously. So uh, we kind of didn't really know where we were going to go. But when we went down this road after 11, 12 minutes, uh, we got down with the interview, and, and Craig came over to me, and he put his arm around me, he goes, I need to start following your stuff because uh, you you, you're, you got some good stuff. And one of the things that he kind of, told me during the interview was the fact that he he was uncertain as to what was going to happen in the pandemic how many programs were going to stay in there and and different Mm -hmm. things and and kudos to the acha teams for for staying there we if you lost any you didn't lose many did you
2: uh in terms of teams you know not not that i'm aware of we're all just kind of waiting for the go ahead if you didn't play already but uh i'm not aware of too many teams that are folding Okay,
1: so so let me ask you this: We just heard of Rmu, which I know you're yeah. you're uh, familiar with. They they just dropped their men's and women's NCAA program, yep. and uh, and University of Huntsville uh, raised money to be sustainable for ten years, and then immediately came out and said we don't have a conference, so we're going to suspend this season. And and we talked to the guys up on uh, in Alaska about their struggles to, to fundraise, and and now they're close to resurging and bringing their team back, but um, I'm confused. I'm confused in the hockey world as to, I I know it's a a business and it's a dollars and cents type thing, but goodness gracious, when you work that hard to get your programs and you get through the pandemic, I mean, don't these, these guys, these kids uh, deserve a shot to, to play hockey and shouldn't things like not having a conference affiliation go away because coach powers has got 20 games at home out of a 36 game schedule as an independent. So, you know, without getting too crazy, who's dropping the ball on that end of it?
2: Yeah, I think, it, I mean, passion is always a starting point. So you've got to be passionate enough about your program to put in, to, to, to want to plan ahead. And I think, like anything in life, you better be prepared for change. I think people who struggle with change are the people who struggle um, through life the most. And quite frankly, change is inevitable. Um, it's, it's, all, it's a guarantee, in fact. So if you can't prepare the, uh, and anticipate change, I think you're going to be in trouble. And I'm not saying that's the issue here with RMU or anybody who had looked to fold, but you'd like to believe that uh, these things are preventable. Um, there can be some pre-planning and, and an execution and adjustments and rewriting and get back at it. And if you're determined enough, you can find a way. Uh, I certainly sympathize with those kids. I hope they got enough of a heads up. I bet I bet they would have liked to known a year ago, so they weren't waiting <laughs> around for a year. So I feel really bad Boy, for, for those sure. kids. Um, uh, but uh, um, I guess uh, I guess we'll have to see where those kids go and if they like the desert enough.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so. Uh, we had Rico Blasi on the new head coach at St. Thomas. And yep. uh, I talked to him about that. And one of the things we wanted to visit on was uh, you're in a different situation because you're NCAA Division 3 You're making a move up to NCAA Division one. So, of course, the long arm of the NCAA gets involved. And they say, no, you can't go to a national championship for four years or five years or whatever. So I asked Rico, I said, how are you going to recruit kids based on that? And he said, listen. Uh, We can still win a conference championship, and any time that you can win a trophy at any level, um, you you bring guys in that can do that. And he said, we have no idea if if it's going to be a full four or five years or whether they're going (laughs) to rescind something and let us uh, compete for the national championship in three years. So uh, a lot like you said, control what you can control, but there's a guy that's making – that's now the sixth NCAA Division I team in the state of Minnesota, and he's embraced – playing all of them this year
2: yeah for sure Rico's a, obviously a veteran guy has been around this league for a long time been an excellent coach um you know I think quite honestly let me just provide the optimism of the other side of that that I see I don't know if you're starting a new division one program um whether whether it be St. Thomas uh Long Island or <laughs> Lindenwood <was>, um <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed <laughs> to act like they're going D1 or what the oh rule is
1: oh shush no, yeah. I, everybody I have on I tell them the same thing. If they're going they just want to make their official announcement this summer, but they're going to yeah. play a, they're going to play a schedule that's a hybrid this year and they're going to have some really good players, so be ready when you play them. Uh- I'm I'm aware. <laughs> I I know of all eight
2: of their scholarship players. Let me add. Um <laughs> I digress. Uh, the-, the point I'm getting at is I don't know if there's a better time to start a Division 1 program than right now. Uh, as far as collecting, gathering uh, talent, and offering scholarships. And the reason I say that is COVID has got a lot of effects that I think I kind of shed light on to last time we talked about. There's a trickle-down effect. Um, Rumor has it there's hundreds of kids in the transfer portal. you got a lot of kids who didn't have to graduate that get a fifth-year option. That has a trickle-down. You saw it in juniors. There was good NCDC players getting pushed down to the EHL Um, And we've got one of those really good players in our recruiting. Um, What I'm getting at is you've got a lot of really good hockey players in June and July here who are going to be looking for homes. And if you're a brand new division one team, you're going to have access to kids you might not have in the past. And so to me, this is an excellent time if you're making a transition to NCAA Division I um, because you're going to have a better pool to pick from as a first-year program because these kids all want to play Division One; It's a dream. I was no different than any of those kids. They, they, their goal was to play Division I. Um, they may have a team in mind, a Michigan or a Boston College, as a dream, but at the end of the day, they want to get a scholarship, they want to play hockey, and they want to re- be represented by a school and play against the best players in, the, in North America. You know, And they're going to get that opportunity – Uh, because those opportunities are opening up. Um, A lot of rosters are clogged up. It's going to be an interesting summer here with recruiting. I'm intentionally – I still have four (laughs) spots open on my roster for that reason, and we're turning down really good hockey players because we want to get greedy and, and go in that pool. Uh, And we're also very confident in the group of walk-ons we have here. So we're we're not just doing this blindly. But the fact of the matter is, I I think that those teams making that transition, there's going to be a really nice pool. They're going to have an ability to start their program up um, with a core identity and a culture. Um, And like he said, he's going to have a chance to win a championship and to do all those things. And and really, you're you're growing and, and building towards years two and three at that point. Um, and by that time, hopefully you start putting yourselves in a position to be a, a contender. And, and certainly a coach like Rico has that ability.
1: Okay. So at one point I heard uh, over 250 players in the NCAA transfer portal, which to me was absurd. Um, but I wow. realized why it was happening. I know it's slowed down a lot. I've talked to a lot of different people over the last month or so, and they said, you know, most teams have filled out their roster. I know Coach Powers has got his done, and North Dakota's yeah. pretty much done with theirs, and you know all the big names uh, you'd expect have their sure. uh, their guys. Pick a little. But yeah, and and I I think about those guys that didn't get a spot now. Um, what do they do? Right? Do they look to uh, to go ACHA D one just to? To play some and and so when i was thinking about that chad i had elijah barrega on from that played a year at unlv and then got a scholarship to aic and that was a a mainstay with aic so when i had elijah on i said uh tell me about what happened because i thought i knew but i wasn't sure and he said well to be honest with you he said i needed an extra credit to get into aic so uh i thought the best option for me was to go to unlv and play and uh (laughs) Pleasantly surprised that his development didn't wasn't stagnant, but actually improved uh, that year. So is that something that you see could happen down the next three four years because of this group of players that uh, are maybe outgrown juniors and, and have to find a place to play, or is that kind of just a pipe dream?
2: Um, I, I I don't think that's crazy. I think that's what's going to happen, and uh, I, I I in fact I I'm anticipating it. I, I'm not leaving four spots open because I like to say no to kids. That's for sure. Uh, I'm leaving four <laughs> spots open because I know exactly what I want to accomplish exactly what I want to accomplish. Um, and I'm anticipating and w- taking the chance that we're going to find that. And we've got good conversations going on. Now you do get, I feel for the, I, I really feel for the, the, the age out kids this year, it's a very tough year uh, on the flip side of it being an opportunity for those new college division one colleges. It's also just a tremendously stressful time for these age-out kids. I feel bad for them. Uh, And, you will talk to a lot of these kids, and it's just everything's moving slow because everybody's kind of waiting to see how things are going to go. And um, just a very difficult year for those guys, and you hope they find a home. But, you know, if not, you can get a great education. You could play for a national championship in front of four or 5,000 fans uh, at one of the best business degrees in the country in 80-degree weather. Uh, You know, we'd be a home for those kind of guys, and we want to, we want that opportunity. Um, we want to present that opportunity. Um, you know, I, I'm not really into doing things good. I want to be great. And so we're very happy about being two-time conference champs. We're, we're proud of that. Um, we really hope we can fight for a third one. Um, but we want more. We want national championships. Uh, we, we You know, to me, there's a very clear-cut top four in the ACHA right now. Um, Lindenwood, uh, Liberty, Minot, State, and Adrian. I want to get in that conversation. So – you're not going to meet, I mean, again, we're, we're happy about our success. You're not going to meet a more hungry group uh, that's this successful than us because we're not satisfied. We haven't reached the top of the mountain. We want in that bubble. Um, and I really think to be a national contender, you got to be knocking at that top final four because it's such a hard tournament. Everybody who has ever won it or not just tells you it's a one and done. Uh, I know Power speaks of it and, and Wade Regeer speaks of it. It's such a hard tournament to win that you really just got to be knocking on the door consistently and be a Final Four team consistently, and that's the next step for our program. That's what we want to accomplish, um, and it's what our guys are training so hard for right now and envisioning, um, even though they can't reach it. It's going to come quicker than they know, um, and so we want to stay focused on that, and that's that's the opportunity ahead for us.
1: Okay, a couple things, and I'll let you go. Um, the, the one thing that I saw at the national tournament was you talked about that top four uh wait wait said they were four and a half um when we when i looked at them and i talked to those coaches and i had two of them on the show i had gary astallis and i had uh kirk handy and uh they both said hey we know that we're being gunned for so they were both preparing like you're preparing to catch them they were both preparing immediately after uh the tournament to see what they could do to maintain that so that tells me that the health of the acha is in really good shape um, that's part one. Part two of that is when, when I met you five, six years ago now, and I saw the condition of ACHA hockey here, and Coach Powers will tell you uh, he rated his team uh, to, to move up. But man, oh man, the West, the Southwest, has really, really done well as far as reestablishing um, the quality of play and the quality of hockey uh, in the Southwest. So kudos to you guys for that. Uh, that's just what I've noticed. And then finally on that on that topic, uh, I talked to Coach Powers a couple of weeks ago. We had him on Sunday night, and he was just finishing up um, a uh, weekend with his ACHA national championship team from 2014.
2: Oh, I and, saw the picture <laughs> online.
1: <laughs> but anyway, we had to we had to go reach out for Michael Cummings, who played uh, on both teams, and we brought him on last Sunday because I wanted to hear from the coach and the player. And Coach Powers said, you know it's a big deal for me to keep in touch with these guys uh, that won an ACHA national championship. Um, and and he, he says one of the things that he, he felt pushed them into winning that national championship was losing to Arizona. He said, we lost to Arizona at the end of the year, and that pushed us. He said, I don't know if we win it if we don't, uh, if we don't get beat by them.
2: Yeah, no question. I mean, I I got a thick bulletin Bolton board right now. There, there are some things that I'll keep to myself being said around town, um, and it's very motivating to me. So I, I think um, if you're a competitor, you know, you want more, you want growth, you want to continue to reach higher, and that's really how I feel about our program and where we're at. And um, you know, I saw the picture with Greg. It's good to see that they could get together. Obviously, that's always going to be a better one for me, but. Um, I think what that that really goes to show you is one of like one of the greatest things I've I've learned is talking to all these coaches. I, you hear these things everywhere, but Coach Parker out of Boston University, it um, said players don't care what you know until they know that you care. Um, right. That's that's why Greg's a good coach. He cares about his players. He cares about them as people. There are good coaches. Again, I study a lot of coaches in the ACHA. There are good coaches in our league that lack that and maybe underachieve because of that. Um, you know, like you got to care about the kid, the person first. Um, and so you see pictures, it's, um, I, I enjoy seeing that. That means he cares. And, and that's a good thing. It's no wonder he's had so, so much success, but, um, you know, <laughs> the recruiting and the game going on, I'm, you know, I'm aware of everybody like Adrian's and a really impressive team. They're not losing much. And I know of six players they're adding that are Really impressive. Everybody better be gearing up and doing the same with their program. Lindenwood's gearing up, you know, watching their recruiting class. It's very impressive. Um, so it's not the time to get comfortable or, or anything <laughs> like that. We'd better get to work. Um, um, you know, it looks like we, we may be able to go and play Minot State this year, and it's important for my program we do because I think there's a lot of excitement about what we've done and are doing. Um, but the fact of the matter is there's another sh- big shelf in front of us, um, and I want them to see it. Uh, and so if we're going to get there, we've got to, we've got to fail at a little bit to get there. Um, you've got to understand what you aren't doing. That's not good enough. And that's when you hear teams and programs and coaches say, it's about learning how to win. You got to put yourself out there to learn how to win. You've got to go through failure. And to me, that's what life's about, is, is you're going to fail. You're going to have change. Um, how do you handle it? It's never about what happens to you. It's about how you handle what happens to you. So, yeah, let's go up to the North Pole and, and my not State up there. And, um, let's <laughs> try play to, try to do it in
1: October if you could.
2: Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, dates only work this way to make it, you know, <laughs> our kids have seen snow, I guess. So it's an opportunity there. So, uh, but we want to go out there. and we want, I want my guys to struggle. I, I mean, when we practice, it's my job to put them in a position to fail. I want them to to work through failure. Um, you know, it's going to be a momentum game come March, come national tournament. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you if you don't get a call or if you, things aren't going your way or momentum swings. You better be able to handle that kind of adversity. Um, being talented is great, but it's certainly not enough. Uh, and so those are the those are the situations we want to put our guys in. And um, and and I know that's basically a roundabout way. That's what Greg's saying. Is it? It took a, you know an upset against uh, our program, which I wasn't here for. Sean was on the bench for that. Uh, but it maybe took something like that for them to to wake up and really reflect on themselves. Um, I'll give you another obscure example. There are times in our game, I don't like what we're doing, but Churro or Bib will be standing on their head and it's like, they're making it, they're not making them feel that pain. And so it's my job in film to make them feel that pain. Um, <laughs> so that we learn from it and so that we're not okay with it. When you have goaltending as good as we do, and now we're adding another kid in Rhett Kimmel, all, we're going to have three really good goaltenders next year. Um, you know, when you when you have that, sometimes that can be the kiss of death. Is Yeah, we won two <laughs> to one, but we gave a six odd man rushes. How does this happen? You know, so um, that's not sustainable. So it, it's all I, – I really am a big believer in, in learning through failure and in embracing but not accepting failure. That is the most important thing. Um, I want my guys to be upset. Uh, let's learn from it let's grow and that's really a big mentality of ours in in the room
1: okay final thing Uh, I was up in and watched the AHL playoffs the playing games in Irvine last week and I came back and watched uh, the uh, Henderson Silver Knights practice the other day and and one of the things I thought that was really cool was there's three games left in the season at the AHL level this year I don't know how familiar you are with what happened but they took a 48% pay cut because of the reduction of games And they're playing the Pacific Division championships or playoffs uh, for no additional pay. Um, And I'm watching the Henderson practice the other day and they closed it out, Chad, with, uh, with the center circle drill, where they put the two goals in uh, right at the edges of the circle. Yeah. And
2: they,
1: and they, they ran that drill. And you would have thought you were looking at uh, kids in midgets or squirts or peewees or something, because they were so enthusiastic. And I'm going like, listen, you guys are pros, you played this long, and you're playing for the love of the game. So God bless those guys and, and hope that you guys can continue to make it that much fun that guys want to do it even at that level because there's only three games left. You know, I mean, uh, it might be time to, to call it in, but uh, I was so proud of Manny uh, Viveros for, for putting that drill in there because he didn't let the guys slack off even though there was only three games left in the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love small area drills, I and mean, i could talk to you for an hour about how much <laughs> and why I love those, but uh, we do uh, a couple of small area drills for practice. I think it's good to have the, uh, for a lot of different mechanical reasons, but you guys need to have fun at the end of the day, and we do this because we love it. We don't lose sight of, of, of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, you know, these kids are paying dues and, and, and paying a lot for school and going to school, and um, choosing not to go out at nights where the rest of the college probably is, but choosing not to because they they want to be a part of something bigger themselves. They want to be successful. Um, you know, it, that's all part of it. There's a sacrifice to this. So if you don't love what you're doing, you should not be doing this. Um, and it's really what we try to create at our program. Um, you know, when I tell my guys, when you – everybody is – you know, we we talk about a lot about this, about how everybody's going through different things. Be considerate of that when you're talking to somebody you may like, not like, uh, don't know, maybe you do. But everybody's going through things, and 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 be understanding of that. But when you come to the rink, our culture is established by this is your sanctuary. This is your release from the. The pressures or stress or frustration of school, your girlfriend, your parents yelling at you, your teacher, uh, maybe uh, just whatever's going on in your life, that all is checked at the door. And when you come to our place, our guys are playing ping pong in the locker room. They're embracing their time together. Um, They're preparing for practice. We're talking about our opponent for the weekend. If it's Monday or Tuesday, we're already dialed into what what, what the task at hand is. Um, And all that stuff for an hour and a half on the ice, an hour before while we're sitting there, You know, for a couple hours a day, all that stuff can go out. And this is their release. This is their time to have fun and to do what they love. Um, And and we don't lose sight of the fact that you've got to enjoy what we're doing. So there's a balance to that. Yes, we work hard. Uh, We work hard. We play hard. We... Uh, you know, we want to accomplish big things, though. So it, it, that's the kind of commitment it requires, at the end of the day, we're all here because we love the game. You got to have fun doing it. And um, so it's it's all it does. It's no surprise to me. Um, and kudos to those guys. I mean, we, we all we're all competitors, right? We're not getting paid. Yeah. So what? I want my name on that cup, right? Who cares? You can't pay me enough to put my name on that cup. So um, I, I just. Uh, what I've always appreciated about our game is I think our culture as a hawk, as a sport, is just a little more special than other sports. Maybe that's bias. I just I just think we're a little more um, centered into, into the passion of the game and playing for the game and, and, and just a great collection of people. It really makes me proud for this sport to be what uh, what engages me and my son and, and et cetera. And um, I just I enjoy being around it, and that's why. I'm not out there getting a real paycheck like the rest of y'all. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: don't, don't put y'all in me. in that yeah. <laughs> But, but um, yeah, if it's biased, I'm as biased as you are uh, as well. Um, so when do we get the full schedule? How soon is that going to be out? Cause I'm dying to see it.
2: Yeah. I'm hoping in the next uh, few weeks to a month or so um, we're, we're kind okay. of dotting our eyes and, and just finishing times we're, Honestly, we're waiting for the Roadrunners to establish uh, their game so that we can make sure and avoid as much conflict there as possible and try to work together to, uh, to work together. Um, and so we're hoping to come out with that soon uh, and then not soon after, not too far after that. We should have a full promotional schedule um, and we're excited to launch some new things, some new ideas and to build off of old ideas, the pink the rink, the pucks and paws. Uh, all the things that people love when they come to a Wildcat hockey game. Uh, We're excited to get that uh, information out there. And like I said at the beginning of this call, it's just nice to, uh, as soon as that national championship was won, for me it was relieving because it was, we don't have to talk about this (laughs) season anymore. Let's start talking about next year and what we want to do. And I can sense that excitement through my players. And and I know uh, our staff and and our administration, everybody's just really excited to get back after it. And we're really uh, looking forward to representing the university, the ACHA and beyond.
1: Okay, so the opening
2: night uh, is going to be on the road.
1: Is that fair? Yeah,
2: In we'll Utah? be on the road again.
1: Okay, so, so people will know a couple of names. They'll know a Macaulay name on your roster. and yeah. you'll you're, I don't know if you're familiar, but they'll know of a Langenbrunner name on the Utah roster.
2: Oh, it's there. I didn't know you had a kid over
1: there. <laughs> yeah, well, freshman. NHL
2: alumni year, battle so. going on here. Yeah,
1: there you go. So I thought I'd just throw out there as a little tease. Uh, final thing on your hockey camp, how can people get a hold of you? I'm looking at it on your website, but obviously uh, there's other ways to reach you,
2: I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can email me at Chad Berman, C-H-A-D-B-E-R-M-A-N, at Arizona.edu. Um, you can also go to the website, ArizonaWildcatHockey.org, uh, and you can see my pretty little picture in the corner there, and if you click on that, <laughs> Um, It'll take you directly to a questionnaire, how to pay. Um, Kind of talks in a little more detail about the the itinerary and and what what you'll get out of the camp. And um, like I said, I'm really excited to see. We've got a great sign-up now. So if you want to get in that camp, make sure you uh, reach out uh, as quick as you can here because it's filling up quick, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be fun just to – honestly, that'll be the first time I touch the ice in a year and a half, so I'm a (laughs) a little nervous. Maybe I'll have (laughs) Bailey Marshall demonstrate or something again. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Oh, well –
1: and the last time I saw you out there, you weren't feeling the best.
2: And no, you yeah, I was, out four days weekend, out of, so. I was four days out <laughs> of a hospital, and I lost 30 pounds. And so, yeah, I, I, uh, I was laughing about that. Uh, I actually drove up to Peoria yesterday to hang some posters, and I looked out at the ice, and I was like, jeez, last time I was here, it was a tough go. But uh, um, can't wait to, to see the, the returning players. Excited to see some new players and, and, and continue to build on that, and hopefully we're a part of something special out here, Wes. All right.
1: Well, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you all get out there one of those days to, uh, to see you guys and, uh, send me one of those wildcat t-shirts. I think mine's getting wore out now. So, you, you know, it. Actually, I don't, <laughs> we're not doing
2: shirts this year, but I would do have oh. one for you. I do have shirts for you though. I have some leftovers, so I got some for you. <laughs> okay,
1: okay. All right. Sounds good, Chad. Uh, have a good rest of the summer. We'll look forward to seeing you in what, uh, just over a month, I guess, uh, over at AZ Ice Peoria. So thanks for spending time as always. And, uh, uh bear
2: down absolutely appreciate the time thank you
1: absolutely that's chad berman the head coach of the uh arizona wildcats uh talking a little hockey with us t- tonight on the col- club hockey southwest weekly as i mentioned earlier my co-host Stephen marsh is uh, on assignment for us right now getting prepared to watch an ahl game uh up in uh in in uh, vegas at the at the big ring, t-mobile arena so Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll wrap up another uh, episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly.
3: Your hometown hockey team. Your Western Collegiate Hockey League champions. Your Arizona Wildcats. Tickets for Arizona hockey are now on sale. Support your Wildcats as they battle ASU for another Texas Cup championship and more at the Tucson Arena. Your hockey team. Your Arizona Wildcats. Call 791-4101 for tickets now.
0: If you live in the Valley, you know that there are no shortage of options when it comes to eating Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste combined with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos, which are served all day, to the combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to BurritoExpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. School college hockey experience in a small school setting, then Maryville University could be for you. Playing in the brand new 2,000-seat Maryville University Hockey Center, the Saints enjoy a first-class athletic experience as the men compete against ACHA powers such as Lindenwood, Central Oklahoma, and Missouri State. This year, the D1 men's team will start their third season of competition, adding an ACHA D2 men's team as well as a new ACHA D1 women's team. All three teams will call this two-sheet, 84,000-square-foot arena home and give any player a varsity-level feel. Located in the suburbs of St. Louis, Maryville is the second-fastest-growing private university in the country and offers both a world-class education and a first-class athletic experience. For more, go to MaryvilleSaints.com.
3: To get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That
4: combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese
3: surrounded by a fence of ribs.
0: UNLV Rebel Hockey, located in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, is proud to partner with Ice Time Hockey Southwest. As a premier ACHA Division I university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. Experience a pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas while you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today.
3: When looking to continue your education, consider Maryville University. Located in the St. Louis suburbs and with small class sizes, Maryville is the second fastest-growing private university in the country. With over undergrad students on campus and more than 10,000 online, Maryville University provides a cutting-edge, robust learning experience for the 21st century, from the sciences and education to business and more. Our undergrad and grad programs promise an individualized, hands-on experience that's truly crafted for today's student. For information on our campus life, programs, and more, visit our website at maryville.edu. You're listening to Club Hockey Southwest Weekly.
1: All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Tonight, my co-host, Stephen Marsh, on assignment for us, covering the AHL uh, Pacific Division Playoff Championship Series between the Bakersfield Condors and the Henderson Silver Knights up at beautiful T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. So we uh, thank Stephen for for taking the time out and uh, getting out there to do that for us. Um my thanks tonight to head coach at the University of Arizona, Chad Berman, for joining us. He's got a great college prep slash development hockey camp coming up June 25th through the 27th at AC Ice Peoria. was a strong program at uh, the University of Arizona, despite the fact that they don't get ice nearly as often as a lot of other teams in the uh, ACHA. So uh, congratulations to Coach Berman for staying relevant, getting things rolling, Get to the website. Uh, arizona wildcathockey.org uh to uh sign up for the camp he does have some spots left and and join everybody up at easy ice peoria for uh, a great camp friday night through sunday morning um into sunday afternoon and uh, i think it'll be a lot of fun it's uh, i've been up there several times when he's had the camp and it's uh always a lot of fun and a lot of great talent so sign up if you want to go up there and watch i'm sure he'll let you come and uh and spectate as well um and that does it for tonight. So we'll say good night with the little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers De Niro, and uh, wish you all to come back next Wednesday when we talk more club hockey here on Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Good night, everybody.